Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I have an episode for you today that you're really, really, really going to love. I have an old, old friend of the show. Uh, it's been a couple, it's been a, at least a year and a half since we've talked. I'm really, really excited to have him back on. With me on the line, as you've probably already read, is the author of the book, Eddie Made Me Do It, The Beast Arises, 1973 to 1983, and I'm going to give his full name, Luis Mariano Rodriguez. Luis, how are you? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Oh, man. It's so good to talk to you, man. I, I always love when we used to we used to chat uh, a few years ago when I was doing, not a few, but a couple years ago, I was doing a little radio, trying to do a little radio show, and every day I would call you when I was done and ask you what you thought. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I listened to every episode. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. First off, you know we, I love having you on. So it's um and and hopefully, as I mentioned this to you a little earlier, hopefully we can, me and Matt can remember what we wanted to have you on before we wanted to do start a series or something with you. And I can't remember what it was, but I'm going to ask him because he's got a better brain than I do. So. Oh, I would love to do it. I would love to do it. It's yes. been too long without actually talking to each other. I know, I know. It's but but it's like we. T- it's it's like you know. It's like an old friend. You just. It's like you catch up and you're right. You're right back where you were. So yeah. So we have a lot to talk about. So you have your book out. Last time we spoke. Last time we spoke, and I wanna I wanna give myself a tiny bit of credit here because I think you told me this. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> but I remember that. you had a couple of books out before this, right? You had they were uh, they were like digital only, right? Yeah, that's correct, man. Okay, how correct. many did you have? Did you have two or three? Two. Okay, okay. And I know I bought one of them, and I remember telling you, I was like, man, there's a lot of information here. I said, but. I, I would just rather have it in like a you know physical book because it's easier to mm-hmm. pick it up and have it wherever you're at. I mean, I know you know having a digital on your phone is like almost easier, but having a book, you have to sit down and you have to make the time instead of. I said I would just like a book because I would, I feel like it would work better for me. And if yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, but you told me you said that that was kind of one like. I'm sure you thought this before anyway, but you said that was kind of a thing that where you thought, I want to get a book out. I really want to get a book yes. out. <laughs> yeah. You're completely correct, man. Awesome. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, when, when you said that to me, I, I really started thinking like, oh man, I, I, I have to make this happen. You know? Yeah. I, I, there were plans to do it like a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't actually knew how to how to make it really happen. Yeah. Uh, but my wife, all credit to her, she said, like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And she helped me find, like, like the best option to actually do it. Yeah. And, well, now now, now the book is out. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay. I want to start one other thing here. Because there's there might be some people that are listening that either don't know about your book. I mean, we've mentioned it before here, but they might not know about your book or they might not know who you are. They might not have ever heard your Iron Maiden story because you did your story um, in 2020, at the the end of 2020. So if you will, kind of give a brief summarization of becoming a fan and your fandom of Iron Maiden. 
All right, all right. Well, I became a fan of Iron Maiden at the in the 1990. Uh, I first bought uh, No Prayer for Your Dying. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't like it that much. Then I bought uh, Somewhere in Time. When I heard cut Somewhere in Time, I didn't like it that much. But then <laughs> Wasted Years came on, and it was like, bam! I become Maidenized. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember I used that exact word when mm -hmm. we spoke that time. Yeah. Uh, I fell in love with the band. I started buying Iron Man records. Like uh, I bought the, uh, the 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 my uh, after that I don't quite remember. I think it was uh, Seven Son. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting into the band. Then the the first ten years uh, singles collection came out, and I bought each one of those each week. Okay. And well, it started from there. Then uh, I became a, a, a what I will call a hardcore fan. I started investigating about the band. I wanted to know everything about the band, and it snowballed from there. Yeah. Uh, I eventually had so much information. Uh, I, I don't think I I shared the picture with someone. Uh, who talked to you. I don't remember who it was, but I have like a huge, huge amount of, of paper files uh -huh. uh, with stuff about Maiden. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's more than a thousand pages. Yeah. Easily. Uh, and, and I had all, I had all this information because I wanted to do uh, a website, mm -hmm. uh, but I had no idea how to do a website. So I keep adding and adding. I started writing uh, a book for myself, mm -hmm. actually. And, well, the book was pretty big. And <laughs> my then-girlfriend, who is now my wife, said, eh, this, this is too good to, to keep it for yourself. Why mm. don't you make a book? Oh, and nice. I, I made a pro I, I, she made me promise that I was going to do it. Wow. So yeah, that's that's basically how the the first uh, electronic book, the digital book, came to be. Because I promised her I was going to do it. Okay. And okay. well, that that book came out. It's called Detailed Discography of the Beast. Mm -hmm. That one uh, is actually the last time I checked uh, the latest version of it. It's like, I don't know, like it's way over um, a thousand pages. <laughs> oh, man. That is uh, it's, it, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's actually huge. Uh, to read it, you will need a long, long time. <laughs> so when that, when, when that came out, uh, people got seriously interested in it. And I said, hmm, maybe I have something here. So I started writing a second book because I had to, so much information that I have to put it in at least two different books. Oh, wow. And when the second uh, digital book came out, which is also called Eddie Made Me Do It, uh, came out, uh, people said, uh, keep asking, ask yourself, like, for a physical book. Sure. Which I already had in mind. And I had kept uh, some stuff from the from the digital version, which was the the interviews, okay. the interviews I wanted to do. 
So, well, when I said, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to work on a physical book and I, ha I want to add interviews to, to the book. I just don't want to, yeah, you know, like, like print sure. what people already had in digital. Right. So I, I started interviewing people and doing more research and contacting ex-members of the band and uh, people who worked with Steve. Before yeah. he even was in in, in in Gypsy's Kiss and Influence, and it's and and I, every time I, I interviewed someone, I got more information, more information, and well, I started writing what, what's now my first physical book. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so me, that's that, that's shimmerized. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember because I know it's been a while since we uh, had our first conversation on your story. How easy was it to get music in Venezuela back then? Oh, back it, it was very easy. Okay, it was okay. easy. It was easy. And and yeah, yeah, very very easy. And you did. I I, I want to make sure that I say this. You were on an airplane one time. Right. And you were <laughs> yeah. sitting in your seat and all of a sudden a guy walked by that looked a lot like Yannick Gers. Am I right? Uh, yes. And, and, and then, yes. and then another guy walked by that looked very similar to a guy named Dave Murray. Right. Yes, that is correct. That happened all the way in 1992, October, 1992. And you got up because you were, you were sitting with your mom. Am I right? But yeah, my mom was in the robe behind me, and you were whoever you were sitting by. You were freaking out, and did you went back yes. there and went back there and had to double check these guys, right? Make sure they were the who you thought they were. Yes, and, and yes. were they, and were they who you thought they were? Oh yes, they were. Oh, it, that, that's so funny. I remember. I mean, I mean, I, I speak uh, English pretty fluent now, uh -huh. but I was so freaked out that I remember, and my brother always teases me with this because my brother accompanied me to 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 check if it was Dave Murray. Yeah, he always says that I I, I talk like Tarzan, and I told him like <laughs> you you Dave Murray me. <laughs> Big fun. Can I take picture? And my brother always says, like, man, you sounded like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grunt? Yeah. Did you grunt like Tarzan? <clears throat> You're dead, Murray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. But I must say this. Davey was such a lovely guy. He says, yes, of course. And put his smile as always. Yeah. And we chatted, we chatted a bit. And I was like, I was completely starstruck oh, i must sure. say it uh but after that i remember like i i got the courage and and went where janik was yeah and and he was also very very lovely and we ended chatting like 20 minutes yeah i remember was, you said he talked about the the women of venezuela right is that what he said yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. he was a, he's a great talker he's a great great talker and uh, he's great he's a great guy oh man i'd love to have him on i'd love to chat with he's he was in the band in a very interesting period of time so yes uh, like like as far as when he started like he started the process between him and adrian being gone, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of, you know, and then the whole thing with Bruce leaving, Blaze coming in, Bruce coming back. Yeah. Like there's a, a lot, it's very interesting. So, so uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Okay, so let's let's let me ask you some questions here about the now that we kind of now that people kind of know your pedigree, know that you do like Iron Maiden a little bit. You're not just cashing <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. So you did answer my question that I was going to ask you. You told me how you got the idea for the book. You were just, but what, let me ask. So when you started, um, you said your wife helped you on this, but when you started actually going, okay, there's a lot of people that have mentioned wanting a physical copy and you start thinking about actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Where do you really start as far as you go and, okay, I want it printed on paper. I want a nice hardback cover. Um, I want, you know, you kind of in your mind thinking about little things, but where do you like, where, how do you start? Where do you start with that? Uh, well, the first thing that I was thinking about was, uh, shipping prices, okay. you know, and, and printing prices. Sure. Because, uh, to me it was, it was always, uh, like a priority that if I printed my book, it had to be really high quality. I didn't want pictures like pixelated. Sure. I didn't want pictures like just in black and white. I wanted color. I wanted the font size to be uh, readable. <laughs> I, I wanted to, to put out a, 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 a good book, a great product. <laughs> because I know, I, I mean, I always think what a maiden fan will want to have in their hands. So, so that was important. So I, uh, the, the, uh, I, uh, my wife actually started uh, studying options of uh, ship on demand mm-hmm. or editorials. And, and well, it was, it took about, uh, I will say like three months to actually find uh, the best option to print with quality and that will assure me that shipping prices weren't going to be like big, you know, like, mm-hmm. like very expensive. Sure. So sure. that's, that's basically how, well, I, I won't say that that's how it started. It was, it was part of the process. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. There's yeah. probably a lot. I figure there's a lot of, it is It's just like, it's, it's like just building a house. You're like, okay. Um, uh-huh. You know, except, except you're building a house and you've never built a house before. So you're going, okay, uh-huh. where do I start? <laughs> so Yes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So yeah. now uh, let's see here. I'll go straight into a question here from Kirsty. I had Kirsty. Uh-huh. Cool. She had a question for you about, she wanted to know out of all the people that you reached out to, mm-hmm. who were you the most excited to hear back from? Oh, wow. That's a very, very good question. I will say two, two, two people. Okay. Uh, Paul Sears. Okay. Because uh, Paul Sears has known Harry for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, I was really excited to reaching out to uh, this uh, girl reporter, People Nag. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I... I, I I mean, when I did research on the band, uh, her name always struck in my mind. I don't know why. She's, uh, so, so, and I knew, I knew that she at, at one time had been girlfriend of Dave Murray. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. So I said, and she actually became head editor of Metal, uh, Metal Hammer magazine for a while in the 90s. Okay. So... I knew she she knew a lot about music. I knew she had a story uh, with the band 
from a different perspective. Sure. I mean, not being only a journalist, but actually having a, a, a relation with one of the guys from the band. Right. Uh, so I was I was really excited to to reaching out to her. Now, when you decided to start uh, reaching mm -hmm. out to people, and I mean, you had lots of information already, lots of, like you said, you had tons and tons and tons of pages. Mm -hmm. How how many people did you reach out to? Like, in, like, would you say from that were to be talked to about the book? Well, here's a, a little bit interesting story. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, actually, uh, I, I've told this before. My original plan with the book was covering uh, the period between 73 and right at the beginning of the 90s. Okay. So, uh, all in all, I contacted like, I don't know, like 25, 27 different persons mm -hmm. who, were, who were involved with the band in one period of, uh, or another. Uh I have two or more interviews that uh, I, I'm still waiting some answers. Mm -hmm. uh, so, well, that's that's the amount of people, about like 25, 27 people, different okay. versions. Okay, so those you, you mentioned who your favorite people were to hear back from. So did you have anybody that, that you did get in touch with <laughs> and you spoke to them and you would say... And you may not want to say, but this is God, uh, that uh, that was my least favorite person to talk to. No, nobody. No, like that. every no, no. Everybody, everybody was really, really helpful. Oh, cool. Uh, everybody was uh, was very open to talk about uh, what they knew, their period. Dennis um, Dennis Stratton mm -hmm. was was such a lovely guy. I really loved talking to him. He, 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 uh, he was very helpful. He was very sincere. Uh, and but everybody, everybody that I reached out was very, very helpful. I, I, I'm, I must say that, you know, and Dennis Stratton as, as short as his time was in the band, he, he, he didn't only, appear in the band for one album he if it wasn't for him they wouldn't have had clive burr you know yes exactly exactly and besides that and people keep like forgetting this uh he actually helped maiden uh in the rhythm section i mean mm -hmm. he was the guy that proposed i mean we know that the the songs in the first album and the second album uh, are made in killers were written before he was in the band, mm -hmm. but he was the guy that that sat w uh, along with Dave Murray and said uh, and work he, the rhythm sections, the rhythm parts in mm -hmm. the guitar and suggested things. That basically, when Adrian uh, came in, he he yes, he had his input, but uh, he kind of sort of played what was already there. Sure, sure. Thanks to Dennis Stratton. And people like keep forgetting that. And he, he had a great input into the band. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered. Uh, uh, there's an episode I want to do where we say what if, basically a what if. You know, what if uh -huh. what if Adrian never would have gotten in the band if it would have been Dennis that stayed? 
because I'm a big fan of Dennis's background vocals and what he offers there. Uh huh. Uh huh. Even more so than Adrian's background vocals. And right. I'm I'm not my opinion's not very popular there because I love Adrian's playing. You know, I mean, I don't have any problem with Adrian. I just not a big fan of his vocals. But I've always kind of wondered how the band would have sounded moving forward with like imagine Dennis harmonizing with Bruce. You know, hmm. so yeah, would have been interesting. So, so did yeah. were there any people that you reached out to that just that were just like, hey, nah, I'm not interested in talking about this. Hmm. No, no. There wasn't not even one. Not wow. even one. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it, um well, there were some people like I introduced myself like listen, I'm writing a book about about Iron Maiden, uh, the story and I have to make clear that I don't want to dig any dirt, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that actually helped me sure. with, with the people I, uh, with the people who I talked about. And there's, uh, I have to say this also, uh, when I reached out to Steve Lazarus, mm -hmm. um, he, he, he was very like, uh, at first he was very careful to, to mm, let me check cool this Lewis guy is sure and oh he asked me he asked me to send what uh, Dave lights had said and Keith uh, Wilford had said and what uh, Stratton had said mm. uh, he asked me he and he asked me uh, out I don't remember if it was Derek Riggs or who it was and I said sure here it is but mm -hmm. and I and I have to tell him you have to take him uh, to bear in mind that uh, I asked these persons very specific things. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why their answers are very specific about certain things. Sure. And when, once he saw that, he said, all right, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the answers. And, cool. and cool. it was very, very cool. Very, very cool. But there wasn't anybody who said like, no, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm, I'm passing. I'm not, I'm not able to talk. No, I, I didn't have that experience at all. That's really cool because there's a lot of bands that are, um, you know, very, I, when I say a very band, it's like the uh, ACDC is who I have in mind. <laughs> like just okay. where everybody is, people just won't say anything. It's like there's a company line and just mm -hmm. about nobody will cross it. So yeah, it, it's, it's there, if something happened, I mean, you're, you're not going to find uh you're just not going to find somebody going out there and, and saying things that ACDC doesn't say. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare. So did you get any, like, say we've, you know, we obviously have, you know, there is a company line within Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. There's a reason yeah. that they're not looked at as a party band, as a, as a gr bunch of guys going out for groupies kind of band, because like a Motley Crue, like we mentioned earlier, because yeah, yeah. they've done a lot to protect themselves. I mean, they're young guys touring the world and seeing the world. Obviously, there's some of all of that going on. I don't know how much because we never heard about it. But so they have a company line. So do you did you get any contradicting stories, uh, you know, different from the company line that really surprised you? Uh, <laughs> yes, actually, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, this, yes, and I, I, uh, 
in a very respectful way because I don't think that you have to actually reveal all the details of certain things because, uh, I mean, I didn't want people to, to like, their reputation get hurt sure. or, you know. Mm -hmm. But so in, in my book, I try to hint some stuff so people can draw to their, their own conclusions and know about... Uh, they they can get to their own conclusions about what the real story was. Sure. And uh, yeah, and the the, the the easiest example is uh, what happened with with Dave Dave Murray being sacked by by Dennis Wilcock. I mean, we have we know that the, the official uh, story is that he got in an argument with. Uh, I mean, Dave and and Wilcock got in mm -hmm. an argument. Some people said that punches were thrown and stuff. And I was very interested in knowing what the background story is. And, well, people can read it in the book already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was that was one one of the, the stories that I really wanted to uncover. And the other story I wanted to uncover is what really happened, uh, not only with, with Paul Diano, but also with Clyde Burr, because... Mm -hmm. uh, people assume even today that the problem was basically drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. and there's an underlying story about all that and I was uh, two days ago I was reading the story of uh, uh, this guy the, the guitar uh, Steve Clark I re think mm -hmm. he's called the the one the From guy Def Leppard, in Def yeah. mm -hmm. who died yeah well I was reading a story with with uh, with uh, the the singer of Def Leppard mm -hmm. where where Kerrang interviews him like two months after Steve Clark had passed away and I, I what I like is that the the, the story he tells uh, makes you understand why does a person actually uh, do does uh, over drinking and goes into drugs when he's in a band? Sure. And and, and 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 that's what I try to put out in my book, like like give people the the capacity to understand. We have a bunch of young guys who basically were starting in a pub band. They started playing uh, small clubs in the UK, and suddenly they're traveling all over with <laughs> Europe with Kiss and Judas Priest. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some people can deal with fame, but some people just get overwhelmed with it. You sure, know? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, so, so maybe, maybe we're, we're sometimes we uh, people are too harsh. And, and judge like, oh man, you know, like Paul Diano, uh, he got kicked out of the band because he was a drug addict. Uh, there's more to the story than that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the story about Dave Murray getting kicked out because you think, you know, when we see Dave Murray, you just look, God, it's the happiest guy out there in the world. You know, he's uh -huh. always uh -huh. smiling. And so I remember reading the story and seeing why he really, you know, why Dennis Wilcock kind of kicked him out and I was like wow it was it was more to the story than you've ever heard uh -huh. so um yeah and I don't know if you heard a joke I made recently 
But if Dave Murray ever was to do a solo project, I mean, wouldn't the name of his solo project have to be Smiler? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, here's, a, here's an advanced information Uh-oh. about the second book. You know what, what was the name of his solo project? Smiler? No. It uh, was Passion. Passion? Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That doesn't seem to fit him. It seems like Smiler would have been, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I just thought it's funny that Steve was in a band called Smiler. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so since your book has come out, because your book's been out now, um, what, since December? Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, the first week of December it was when it came out. So since your book has come out, has anybody in the Iron Maiden camp been in contact with you since it, like to, to say, hey, you know, about anything, <laughs> anything like that? Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> people very close to the band have. Really? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're reading the book uh, as we speak, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any members, I don't. I don't think any member, I, I mean, uh, I always think about this. If you were Steve Harris, would you write, like to read a story about your life? I mean, you lived it. Why do you want to read it? I think you would. I think because especially, okay, you're 40, okay, not, not 40 years in at this point. You know, we're talking, mm. what, 75, 76 is when all this I mean, Steve's musical journey started. When was this? For, when was he in Gypsy's Kiss? When, when was that? Uh, 74. And Gypsy's Kiss? Yeah. Uh, 74, 74, 75. You know, so, so, you know, even 74, 75, say, imagine a couple of years before that, he's playing, he's doing garage, little garage bands, whatever. So no. you're talking, that's 50 years ago, 50 plus years ago. His career's been some, I mean, and I don't know how many books come out about Iron Maiden? I would assume there's a lot of them out there because Iron Maiden is huge. Yeah. You know, so you wonder if, you know, maybe a lot of them come out and there's somebody obviously kind of, you know, keeping an eye out for, you know, to protect the Iron Maiden name to make sure there's nothing that's coming out. That's, you know, really saying bad things. So you would Mm -hmm. figure that there's something, I mean, it's, I, I, I'll say this, like when I had, uh, when I talked to Dennis Stratton, mm-hmm. when I talked to Blaze Bailey and when I talked to uh, Steve, I'm sorry, not Steve, uh, Joe Lazarus, you said Steve uh-huh. mentioned his dad earlier. Steve, uh, Joe Lazarus is related by blood to Steve Harris, right? That's yeah. his nephew. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, Blaze Bailey was in the band with Steve for five years. Dennis Stratton was in the band early along. They all still have, especially Joe, but Blaze and Steve still have relationships. When I talked to all three of those guys, all of them, I think Dennis said, yeah, I was just texting Steve a little earlier about West Ham. And I'm like, I wonder if he mentioned he was going to be on a podcast, (laughs) you know, you know, (laughs) and then, and then Blaze was like, yeah, I was text, you know, I texted Steve in the last few weeks. I was like, okay, of course, Joe, Joe's like, uh, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't hear from Steve this morning, but you know, West Ham lost or whatever it was that day. And so uh-huh. he said, he's probably a little, probably too angry. Cause he, there was like a bad call or whatever, but I'm just like, <laughs> that's in my mind. I'm just like, I'm literally like, like talking on the phone to someone 
that I'm like going, this guy's related to Steve Harris. Like that kind of, as a fan, that just kind of boggles my mind. Talking to Blaze Bailey, a guy who was in Iron Maiden, that boggles my mind. Same thing with Dennis yeah. Stratton. So I feel like the band is, how can I say this? Because they're so big, they're, but they are still a little down to earth. They still have their, their, their nose to the ground a little bit. Like they know kind of what's going yeah. on. So I feel like, uh-huh. I feel like easily somebody close to the band is going to read your book. Like you've said, and you know, and be like, yeah, Hey, I was reading this book and they, they were telling this story. I don't even, I've never heard that story that way. Cause maybe they're so far gone in it. And they're like, and then Steve's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that girl that, uh, that Dave was dating. Yeah. And he starts telling the story, uh-huh. you know? So, yeah. and there's been talk of, um, Steve doing an autobiography, I think. Right. Yeah. Yes. So yes. maybe because here's what I found doing the Iron Maiden stories with people. When people start talking about it and they start like, like with Matt, I know he told me, he said, you know, I start writing it down. You know, just, there's lots of things you don't even think about. You just start writing things down. And he goes, after I kind of wrote everything I could remember down and just, you know, he said like, as the week went by, like a lot of things just kind of start flooding back that those other memories mm-hmm kind of woke up. And so, so many little things happen. And so with Steve, it's probably the same way. He probably hasn't thought about that situation in a long time, but then all of a sudden it gets brought up to him and he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So his mind is, and and imagine how many memories that guy has, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I, I, I love your point. I love your point. And you're, you're, you're completely correct. By the way, here's another interesting story that did happen to me uh-huh. about like uh, three weeks ago. Um, as I contacted people uh, that are close to the band, uh-huh. uh, and I'm, I'm I'm over Facebook. Uh, no, about a month ago, uh, a woman contacted me that a friend of Steve's had passed away, and she tried to reach Steve. Uh, and let him know about this. Yeah. Uh, this guy, this guy uh, used to play with Steve, uh, football with Steve, and when he was like uh, 14 years old. Okay. Uh, this girl contacted me and said, "Is there any way you can let Steve Harris let know what happened?" Okay. And I said, "Sure." Uh, uh, at first, I, I was like, mm, "Is this really happening?" And I <laughs> said, "Can can you prove?" that your friend is actually who you say it is because I knew who it was. Okay. Can you prove that this person is who you say it is? And she sent me some pictures uh, and she sent me some, some, some personal stuff of this guy, which uh, was signed by Steve. And I said, okay, so this story is real. So I reached to uh, three different persons uh, to actually uh, relay the message to Steve. Okay. And I sent the picture that the, the, the women sent me. And uh, two weeks passed, and uh, I got the message that Steve received my message, received the picture, and that he was aware of the, his friend passing, and he was thankful that I will take the time to, to actually do this. So <laughs> I know, I know he knows about me, but. Uh, there's another thing that to me was very important. I'm not trying to be, uh, 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 you know, like 
more famous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the word, self-important. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't go about like I'm telling people I have connections with the band. Sure. And I know stuff about the band because no, 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 that I don't care about that. I mean, I do find out uh, certain information. Uh, I sometimes choose to share what I know. Uh, but I'm always trying to be respectful of what Maiden wants to do because mm-hmm. why wouldn't I, you know? Right, right. So, yes, I know I know. Steve knows about me. At least Steve knows about me, yeah. and that's cool. And if they ever want to reach out, well, that's cool also. I will gladly do it. I remember um, on uh, Talking Maiden listening one time, and they were saying that, they were aware, they knew that the band was aware of them. And mm. and I just think it's because they're still very down-to-earth people. I mean, maybe maybe one guy in the band is on a kind of another level of maybe a little bit of uh, self-importance, you know, uh-huh. and every right to, because usually that certain member of every band is kind of a little bit, bigger ego than the rest of them. I know you know who I'm yeah. talking about. A guy, yes. <laughs> you know, guys that have lots of uh, words spoken or spoken yes. words. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, and, and that makes sense. I mean, everybody's, it's easy to have an ego, but but the yeah. guys, that as, as big as Iron Maiden is, they still seem very down to earth. Anybody that's yeah. ever met Steve, I mean, Steve is still touring in clubs with the other, with British Lion. Uh-huh. At his yeah. a at his age, at his level of success, he doesn't care. He just he loves playing music. He loves music, and I feel like with those guys having their you know kind of having their their egos in check, they they just kind of are still a band of the people in a way, even though they're so huge. And like I don't know that they know about my podcast, say, but I mm. figure in my mind, yeah, they do because Joe Lazarus was on it. Blaze Bailey was on it. Dennis Stratton mm-hmm. was on it. So it doesn't make us any more important, but it's it's just cool yeah. to think about. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Um, yeah. Okay. So so from the start, like when you decided to start writing your book, when you mm-hmm. like when you finally like, okay, your wife's like, hey, hey Lewis, you need to, you know, you gotta do this. You 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 know, you've made your digital books, whatever. But then one day, like there came a day when you made the decision. I'm going to start on the book today. This is the day that I start moving forward in whatever direction, whatever the first phone call, the first email or whatever. From the time mm-hmm. you made that choice to start moving forward to the day that your book came out, how long was it? Ooh. Uh I will say, like, I don't know, like a year. Yeah, like a year. I mean, there are interviews that in the book that were carried out, like, I don't know, like six, seven years ago. Okay, okay. So, so, but I will say, like, uh, the last, it took me about a year to to actually uh have the first manuscript ready okay okay that's got to be a lot of work it's it is <laughs> you, you know when i when i talk to blaze and you know he has 
his three albums out that are like a big uh, story. Uh huh. And I remember he was he's making it into a book. And mm-hmm. um, hold on a second. I, for some reason, the name of his albums have completely slipped my mind. I feel like a heel right now for saying that. But uh, <laughs> the Infinite Entanglement. It's the Infinite Entanglement. Uh-huh. And so when I talked to him and I asked him, how's the book coming along? Because, you know, he mentioned doing it. He just says, you know, making music, I've done it, you know, for years. It's easy. He said, I've never written a book before. It's so hard. (laughs) Yes. I can only imagine, um, you know, if someone like, okay, like, you know, you have a day job. I have a day job. Uh, you know, Blaze's day job is a professional entertainer. So he's kind of got his, you know, nose in it. And, and for that, so, I was like, how much harder is it for someone like you to, to, you know, but, but I guess we all have these talents. So you must, you obviously, if you've already written the other books, all this was, was let me put the information together and actually get it out there on print instead of digital. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, I, I, I always, uh, while writing the book, this book, I always remember what Peter Jackson said when he was editing the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, fans from the Lord of the Rings ask him why he had left certain parts of the book out of the movie. Yeah. And he said that he had to leave some parts because of the flow of the movie. I okay. mean, you, you want to th- after all, you want to uh, tell a story. And that's what happened with the book. I had like many, many stories, I have a lot of information, but sometimes I will see myself writing stories and uh, that that uh, they were just like so far from the principal story mm-hmm. that to 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 actually go in the same line again, it will be too hard. So sure. I have to edit edit parts out, okay. and I had. I, because I wanted the, the uh, first of all, I didn't want like give a, a, a chopped story, you know, like you read a chapter and the next chapter probably doesn't have anything to do with the, with the previous <laughs> chapter, you sure, know, you know, sure. so, so I wanted that the whole book ha- has a flown that, that when you're reading it, you see, you, you're, you're, you're picturing in your mind, like, oh, now I get like when this happened and this event is connected with this event, and mm-hmm. this event is connected with that. I, I, I re- so, so that was that was the the hard part of it. Okay. And so, there's a. Uh, the, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, there's a, a another funny story about it. Uh, when I wrote the first forty pages, I, <laughs> I read it, and I said, "Man, this 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 is crab." <laughs> I ain't gonna, I get, ain't gonna put this book out. Uh, people are gonna, never gonna find out these stories. I got so mad, I had to walk away, and I didn't touch it like for two days. Okay. And and then I said, okay, let me go back and retrace this the whole thing, and leave these pictures out, and leave this part of the story out. And so I rewritten those first chapters, and then. And then, then it was uh, easier. It became easier the more I, I, I started writing it. 
but at first it wasn't easy at all. Okay. Okay. Um, so here's, a, this is going to be a recurring question. I'm going to ask you at least, I'm going to ask okay. you at least more than once this question a little later too. Okay. You mentioned just now that there were stories that just wouldn't fit because of yeah. going off the, you know, like going down a rabbit hole way too far. So what's a story that didn't make the book that you, uh, that be, for whatever reason, what's a story that didn't make the book that you could share right now? Oh, okay. Uh, 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 okay. I'm going to say this one, uh, the story about Clive Burr. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned it something earlier that I, I kind of hint in the book, uh, the, the, the reality of seeing that how much Rod Smallwell has protected the, the, the brand name of Iron Maiden, mm -hmm. uh, that we don't see them like this party band, and they, were, uh, they weren't a party band, but when, when, when Maiden made it big in 82, mm -hmm. uh, Clive was dealing with a lot, a lot of personal problems, but a lot of them, and you don't read about them in any newspaper. Uh, when Clive was uh, right at the end of the U.S. tour of the Beast on the Road, mm -hmm. he wa he wasn't in a in a good shape. Sure. Uh, I I do hint about this in the book. Uh, where in, they visit uh, a famous club called the Hammerjacks. Okay. I think it's in Baltimore, I remember. Okay. Uh, by then, he already kind of knew he wasn't going to be in the band anymore. Hmm. Uh, although although uh, the final decision about uh, leaving Clive out of Maiden was made uh, right at the end of the tour, uh, but he kind of knew, he kind of he saw that 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 his time with Maiden was coming to an end, yeah. and he got all emotional. He he made a kind of a, a sort of sad scene in the bar, and it was sad. It was sad. Clive knew was coming to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did I did get more details about Clive's uh, life during that period. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to, I, I said this earlier, I didn't want to get too personal with him. Sure. Uh, because uh, I know he was a very, very lovable person. And he did manage to say part of his story in this last interview that I think it was published in Classic Rock magazine mm -hmm. or, or the like. Uh, when he said that, when he presented the story, like he was thrown out of the, well, when he was replaced because his father had died and he had to leave the, the band like for two weeks. And when mm -hmm. he returned, uh, that whole story, I, I actually checked and it's not completely true. Hmm. Uh, and I, I do give the details in the book. Okay. I do give the details because I went as far as to see the certificate, uh, the death certificate of Clive's birth oh, wow. death. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to say it. Uh, the informant was Clive. His, die, his dad died uh, on December. 
Uh-huh. And the, and the Beast on the Road tour had already ended. Okay. Did, so that's why I go ahead. Didn't they make an appearance without Clive in the band before he was actually out? Like with Nico yeah, where was, Nico played? Yeah, it was in Belgium. It okay. was in Belgium. And and the and the reason was because uh Clive wasn't in a bit in a, in a good shape. Oh, uh, wow. okay. When he ended when he ended uh the 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 previous uh night he, he wasn't in a good shape so Rod did call uh Nico mm-hmm. and and ask him to to cover for for Clive in this TV show mm-hmm. in Belgium and that was the first time when when Rod actually well Rod spoke with with Nico about an hour before uh, Nico agreed to cover for Clive, uh-huh. and that was the first time when 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 he was asked that if something happened in the future with Clive, if Nico uh, will consider joining Maiden. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, that was the first time, and and Nico, of course, said yes because he <laughs> yeah. already knew. But but it wasn't it wasn't a definitive thing. Sure, sure, yeah. It's funny because I had never heard that, and yeah. I was recently listening to the you know the first ten years that they did, and Nico does all his little talking at the end. Uh huh. Yeah. And there's one where he talks about. Going and covering and all that. He doesn't talk about being asked at that point, but he talks about, and I, all those years ago, I never listened to those Nico things. Cause I was just like, it was kind of annoying in a way like, Oh God, uh-huh. I want to hear this. So the other day I made a playlist of it. I just listened to all 10 of them in a row and, okay. and I enjoyed it just cause I, I heard, you know, I've heard different facts that have come out of that or Nico facts, you know, things that he comes up with that are similar to the story, but not accurate. And so when I heard that, I was like, man, I've never heard that Nico yeah. played with Iron Maiden before Clive Burr was officially out of the band. That blew my mind. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, he didn't actually play. He, he, he played to a, a to, he, miming. He mimed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But he still sat behind there. So yes. Yeah. And yes. that's, yeah. So, so, during your book writing process, I know we're going to get off on little things like that, which I love. So, um, but during the process, you just mentioned something that kind of alluded to this, but where you, you know, you were like, you read it, you said, this is terrible. I don't even, I'm not going to put this out. (laughs) Was there a point where, um, and I was going to ask you this before you said that, but was, was that the closest you ever got to just giving up or was there any other points where you're just like, "I, I just can't do this. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah, when I was actually uh, putting the the images together with the with uh, uh, how you say that uh, the signing process okay. of the book. Okay. I had I had at that point, and I still have them. Like uh, I think I have like five hundred different images. Oh wow! That I wanted to put inside the book, uh-huh. uh, but it was impossible. Sure. It was impossible. Yeah. I don't know how many how many actually are in the book. I think there are about like a uh, hundred or, or something, mm-hmm. probably less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ha- I actually had to learn how to use the, the signing uh, uh, program to to actually uh, like do the book, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and that took me two weeks. And for uh, funny enough, 
with the I I started designing and I had 50 pages designed. Yeah. And my and my wife, who is a designer, uh, said, "Hey, look, look what I, what I have." And she saw that and she said, "No, you cannot do that." And I said, "Really?" And I look at it and, I, and once again I said, "No, no, this is all." Crap. I was about to, literally, literally, mm-hmm. I was about to punch the screen on my laptop. <laughs> I was, I was so so frustrated. Sure, sure. So frustrated because that was two weeks of working on the computer yeah. and saying this looks horrible. I cannot put this out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up. And once again, I took, uh, I don't remember if it was two or three days when I said, no, 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 I got to calm down. I got to start all over again. And, and th- th- that was the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, something that you've been doing as well on on Twitter for anyone, and you're probably doing this on, on Facebook as well, but you've been sharing pictures that are uh-huh. not in the book. And I think that's really cool. It's, it's, it's really neat. It just goes to show how much is actually in the book when you're sharing those other pictures that just, <laughs> Hey, these didn't even make it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a point where you were uh, to keep, to kind of follow that trend there, your children were born in the last year and a half. So, or no, almost two years ago now. So uh-huh. was there a point while you're, you know, we're having kids just made it dip so difficult where you just like, I, I just got to wait till the kids get older. Did that ever into your mind or? No, no, it didn't. But, but of course, you have to uh, schedule your working hours sure. around them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes so, sense. And, and my wife was incredibly supporter, uh, supportive mm-hmm. also because when, 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 when she saw that I was working in the book, she usually took care of the children. Okay, uh, okay. So, so I could really concentrate on on the on the work, especially on the images. Uh, but I, I, I mean, uh, I have a very structured mind. So, to tell just a small story about how the book actually finally came to be. Yeah. First, I wrote everything on Word. You know, it sure. was just the manuscript. Uh, then, I. I, I wanted to review what I had already written. So while I was reviewing it, I already had a, a, a digital file uh, with the images. So I will mark each image with the page with the page I thought it was going to to be in it. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So so when and so when I finished write uh, reading sorry reading the the whole manuscript, I already had. Uh, all the images with the pages mm-hmm. so that but when she saw me that was I was uh, choosing the, the the images she didn't interrupt me she didn't like she, she was very 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 supportive I, I mean yeah she she was a huge help behind the book well a big a big thank you to miss Rodriguez obviously there so oh, thank you there. yeah so um if there was one thing, that you could change about the process of doing the whole book. I think you might've already said this before now that I've heard a few of your stories. 
what would what's one thing you would change if you could if you could go somewhere back in time and change something? What's something you would change about the process that you went through putting the book together? Uh, I probably would have learned before the designing program because mm-hmm. if I had it in in my mind, uh, I wouldn't have to wouldn't have to go to five hundred <laughs> images that I wouldn't use them. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. You know, it's funny because y- you have these things in mind and you just, but it's almost like, the only thing I can liken it to is when, when I was going to start a podcast, man, I'd been thinking about doing a podcast for probably three or four or five years. Just, I talked to people about it all the time. And yeah, man, one day I'm going to have this, like it was almost this elusive thing that I just never could do. It was almost too big or too different. And I remember when I finally got to where I was like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. And it was like the day I decided I was going to do it, I was just like, well, what's the name going to be? I don't even know what the name's going to be. I never, I've been talking about it for five years. I never even thought of a name. Well, what's the image of the, you know, like you got to come up with a little design. What's that going to be? I have no idea. Like I just had done none of it. Like I had all this thought in my mind of different kinds of episodes and, but never once had I thought this is what it's going to be called. I'm going to call it this. <laughs> like I've seen, um, uh, like George, uh, George's um, Andrew's little kid. He's got a uh, he's got a band, and he's already got a band name for his band. I don't know if he's got songs or anything, but like he's got the name of the band before he's even got the band. I didn't have the name of the podcast for. <laughs> so I kind of feel like that. Like you, you knew all this. Like I'm going to put all these pictures in, but then you didn't do the other research. Like he's like, well, if I would have just known, or if I would have been thinking a little in advance, it would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> so, yes. yes. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, now, here's a question I, I, I was interested because I was just kind of trying to think of random things to ask you. From when you started doing this, and I think I know the answer. When you started this, after the whole process of starting it, doing everything, your book coming out, did you walk away liking Iron Maiden more or less than when you started? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's a great question. Uh more, yes. More? Okay. I think I like them more. Especially, especially, and I have to say, I definitely like Steve Harris more. That's awesome. Because what I did found out, I mean, when I walked, uh, when I walked into the research of the band, mm-hmm. I w- tried to have a completely neutral mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if anyone said like, Steve Harry was this and this and that, and that he was a bad person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't have accepted that. So I walk with, I try to walk with, and uh, with a neutral mind, mm-hmm. with an open mind. And everybody with, to whom I talked said the same thing that Steve Harris was a very down to earth guy, that he still is. That he's a very nice guy. That he's a very focused guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to admire what what he's he has done with with his band. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A very I, I want to say that's funny, but it's interesting story was told uh, by Paul Sears to me. Okay. That at first, actually, Harris, what what he wanted to do was was play just in the East End circuit 
and probably a bit more far away. Uh-huh. He wasn't thinking about becoming a global heavy metal band. No, no, no. He 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 wasn't even he, he didn't even started thinking about uh, recording a record. That yeah. all came be after way way after everything started growing and growing and growing. He mm-hmm. he just wanted he just wanted to play. I mean, yeah. he just wanted to play, have a good time, write his songs, play his songs, yeah. and that was it. Which is kind of what what we were talking about earlier. You still see him, and he just wants to have a good time. It doesn't matter. He plays in clubs. He's now playing with British Lion. Yeah, and yeah, that that's something you have to admire. Oh yeah. Well, you know that's one thing that that kind of lines up with the storyline that we've always heard about Iron Maiden is that yes. anytime you read, Steve has a certain amount of integrity. Like when, when something's not working out with someone, like when it was a, uh, when it was Paul Mario day, Steve came mm-hmm. home and said, Hey, this just ain't working. Sorry. We're cutting you loose, yep. you know? And with everybody, he kind of, you know, with different guitar players and, you know, do you want to be in the band or not? Okay. Well then we're cutting you loose. You know, if you're not going to be as dedicated as we are, but he's been, it seems like pretty upfront with everybody. Now, maybe with, uh, Paul Diano, it was not the same because, you know, they were kind of auditioning Bruce and things like that. Yes. There's gotta be a certain amount of, you can't just tell everybody everything immediately, you know, cause you have to mm-hmm. find that, you know, he had to figure things out like, okay, they obviously wanted Bruce. Bruce wanted to be in the band already. And as, as much as he said, and, you know, they wanted, they kind of probably felt that way about Paul. It sounds like uh, I haven't got to that point in the book yet, but, um, you know, Paul mm-hmm. was obviously kind of having those thoughts as well. Like it almost is like Paul was, Paul was content being a band that was going to gig around kind of like what you said about Steve, where hey, we'll just play in the East end and we'll play, you know, around, you know, we're going to play around. We're not going to not be this band that's getting on airplanes and flying to other countries and other continents. And that, that was almost a little too much for Paul in a way it sounded like. So, uh-huh. Yes. But, yes. You know, but yeah, Steve, that's the one thing you've always heard about Steve uh, that he just seems even at this level, so down to earth. He's just, he's just an average guy. He knows who he is, but he doesn't, it's never went to his head. Um, talking to Joe Lazarus when I did, man, he was, he was, you could tell it's something in the DNA. It's just, super humble, Mm -hmm. just, you know, just really down to earth person really. And it's very refreshing to see from somebody that, you know, cause people can have so much talent and just let the talent Mm -hmm. go to their head. So, but, um, yes. Yes. So so here's a, here's a question I have for you here. Um, I'm curious to, I'm curious if there's anything that will fit this bill, but there's gotta be something. Cause, cause I know that I call you the Iron Maiden encyclopedia, but I know you don't know every single thing. So, yeah. So what was one thing that you learned that you didn't know before that just like blew you away? Was there anything like that? Ooh. Uh, yes. Okay. 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 Uh, I know of about three or four Secret? No, I actually know about five secret gigs that band played that aren't uh, advertised anywhere else. Hmm. That in my book. Really? Yeah. Yep. 
what like what era would this be? This Bruce era, Blaze era, Paul era? Uh, <laughs> all eras. Uh, 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 no. Yeah, all eras. Okay, interesting. interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but here's the thing. I haven't researched yet uh, the years between 93 uh-huh. and 2000. Okay. I mean, I do have a lot of information about those years. Mm-hmm. I do have a uh, certain uh, deep information about certain things, sure. but I haven't quite like went into it at the moment mm-hmm. because I had to focus on the years that I, I have already <laughs> yeah. written about, Right. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I have, I have, uh, uh, and this was, this was one of the last interviews I conducted that you, uh, people are going to be able to read about the story of this guy in the last part of the book. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he actually told me stories about the nineties and a secret gig made and played in Canada, which isn't advertised anywhere. Huh. I mean, I spoke, I spoke with another guy, which is a very, very good, uh, researcher. Mm-hmm. And he helped with me with, with some stuff of the book. And I told him like, did, did you know about this secret gig that made him played in 1990? And he said, what? No. And I have pictures. I have hmm. pictures of the gig. And I said, well, here, here's a picture that this one guy sent to me. And he said, no way, man. <laughs> and I said, well, there you go. There you go. That's oh, a- I got to tell you. Okay. 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 There's another thing. There's, an- there's another thing that really <laughs> blew my mind. Okay. We'll which, which, which is very cool. Uh-huh. And Maiden did, did, and I'm saying Iron Maiden, the band, actually did play once Reach Out. The song Iron Maiden did, yes, they did. Okay, <laughs> there you go. When was and this? That was, when about that, was that one of the secret gigs? Uh, yes, okay, yes, 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 yes. And there's actually, though, uh, this is probably one of the best stories that really did blew my mind because it's how it's connected with the, with the whole rest of the story. Uh huh. And I do hint parts of it. The story about Adrian and Iron Maiden and what finally happened in 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 the in January 1990. Okay. I mean, uh, Adrian had in his system for I will say from day one that he got into Maiden that it wasn't really, 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 really what he wanted to do. Uh-huh. You know? Sure. Uh, Adrian uh, always had in his heart, like he wanted to do his own stuff. Right. And, well, of course he did enjoy, and he does talk about this in in, in his own uh, sort of autobiography. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, always kind of wanted to make it his own stuff. Sure. And right from the beginning... He was writing songs that that weren't into the maiden vein, mm-hmm. 
uh, and that eventually, uh, it, I mean, songs that, uh, and I'm going, I know that, that Jesse, the riff master, the riff, riff meister, riff, riff, the riff meister is going to love this part. Uh, there are songs that, uh, ended up in the first, uh, Adrian solo album uh-huh. in, in the, the Adrian Smith project that he did present to Maiden and were not, uh, accepted for Maiden. Yeah, I can believe that. What, one of those was Silver and Gold. Huh. Aiden had that song, like, from 1983. Yeah, huh. 1983. He had that song, and he presented that song huh. to be recorded to Maiden when when the band, and here's a, 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 a tidbit advance on my second book, yeah. on the second physical book, he presented the song to be recorded when they were studying the songs for Power Slave. Interesting. And of course, he got rejected because Maiden said, "Like, uh, no, this is too, too, too soft. We uh, don't want the song." So he kept that song. It feels like it would have fit better on like somewhere in time if they were going to do uh-huh. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So well, th- those kind of stories with Adrian did. Uh, they were. Things I didn't uh, know, mm-hmm. and I I did love them. I did love uh, to find out about them, sure, and about those demos and how Reach Out was. And here we go again. Reach Out. Uh, I mean, the band when where they were in the bus in uh, like traveling to the U.S. during their World Peace tour, mm-hmm. used to hear uh, some uh, these these demo recordings that Adrian had, so they already had in their mind, like, uh, Reach Out, and there's another song that, that they played that that you're going to find out in the book <laughs> that they, they, they actually ended up recording huh. as a B-side. Okay, okay. So those, those stories were like, oh, man, yes, I, I can see now how it connects, all the story connects and, right. and what was on their line. Well, uh, 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 under under the surface of the whole story, yeah. it was really interesting because we, we we tend to think that 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 Adrian uh, kind of left the band, you know, after after all this stuff like mating uh, wanted to go back to their sort of roots mm-hmm. when no prayer for dying. Yeah. But Adrian had in his mind recording the solo album for years, sure, for years. Yeah, I can see that. He once said that he was just a, a cog in in the machine of Maiden. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like he 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 wasn't he wasn't all that happy for years. Right. For years, and 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 he does say a, a, a tidbit about it in the in the in the final documentary Maiden did. Uh-huh. Remember when he just says like, and then I was out of the band. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was it was something that developed through the years. Yeah, it doesn't it didn't just like happen. Yeah, it's easier in the in the uh, grand scheme for him to just say, and, uh-huh. I, and then I was out because it's not a story. It doesn't turn into a yeah. story. It doesn't turn it, especially since they're back together. Yes. If they never exactly. got back together, it's one thing to kind of like that. I always think that's interesting whenever. Um, the band Anthrax did a this big documentary thing about their history, uh-huh. and yeah. so you know they had Joey in the big, you know, at the certain stage, the early stage, and then mm-hmm. after they got, I mean, they fired him, 
And then he came back into the band. So it's really weird when they talk about the second era, because now Joey's back and you can tell there's a lot of things there. Like they skipped a lot of things in between because they, they probably was like, eh, we don't want to rehash old wounds kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I think that was part of it. So, but yeah, I think that's, that's very interesting. And a funny little funny thing is uh, when I went and saw uh, Smith Cotson, me and my wife Uh saw him at a club in Las Vegas last year. And, um, he was talking, I've got it on, I've got it on audio somewhere and he's talking and he says, he goes, the next song we're going to do is about something, something, something. And someone just goes, reach out. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, you, and I've got, I'm videoing it a little bit and you can just see Adrian just cracks up when they yell, reach out. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, so, so out of all the interviews you did, uh, did you have one that was just a favorite? And if so, why was it a favorite? A favorite. Yeah, I got to say Paul Sears. Okay. Because, first of all, he's a very, very funny guy. Uh-huh. He has a great memory. Yeah. Uh, he, he he is completely sincere about the things he says. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't like, like, Trevor to... He was the one who confirmed the story about uh, Dave Murray getting sacked after the problems with, with his girlfriend. Okay. He was the one who confirmed it because... Everyone knows that, that, that uh, well, I say everybody, <laughs> but lots of people know that, that uh, Dennis sacked him. Yeah. But everybody thought that it was because he was a personal stuff. Mm-hmm. So since I spoke with Dennis, with Dennis Wilcock, uh, I didn't want to present myself like I was taking a side, you know? Sure. Like, so I had to I had to try to get uh, impartial uh, approach to the whole story, and Paul Sears was completely sincere. He he said, "Yes, I was in I was in the meeting when Steve Harris told uh, Dave Murray he couldn't be in the band anymore." Oh man! I mean, he he was there. He was there. It wasn't like, "Oh yes, Steve Harris told me." No, he was there because. And this is something people have to uh, know or remind is that Paul Sears was the manager of Iron Maiden uh, for a very long time. Yeah, I mean he he took care of the the bookings. Uh, Steve Harris asked for for Paul Sears uh, help uh, when 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 things got uh, problematic. At the carded horses. Yeah. Uh, so he was there. He was there. He was there, and he remained. He re- he remained being a friend with Steve Harris for a long time. So oh, sure, sure. Being being able to talk to him, and that he had such a good memory, and that he was uh, open to to share stuff and be sincere. I, I really enjoy talking to him. He's a great guy. Awesome. That's cool. Okay, so yeah. now I have a two-part question. It's I'm going to ask okay. one question, and it's just going to be flipped. So I'll I'll say both of them, and then you can, okay. if you can answer both or or want to, whatever. So okay, because I'm sure you know there's things that going in that you're aware of that are that hey this is how it happened. So mm-hmm. what's something that you went in thinking it was true, but then found out it wasn't that surprised you the most and. What's something that you heard never happened? Oh, that wasn't true. It's been, it's just speculation. Never happened. 
that actually was true that surprised you the most? Oh, hmm. Very good questions. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the thing, I mean, it's kind of simple, but knowing about Maiden playing certain songs, they, they said they never play live, or certain songs that you cannot imagine uh, Iron Maiden actually playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Um, and and thinking about I'm thinking about the second part of the question about uh, thinking there were true and there weren't. Right. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Oh yeah, of course there are two <laughs> that 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 jump into my mind. Okay. Uh, first of first one was about uh, Harry's as, actually thinking about scrapping the whole Iron Maiden thing. I this. thought that never happened, and it did happen. What do you mean? What do you mean scrapping the whole Iron Maiden thing? Well, giving up. Oh wow! You mean? Yeah. Was, are you talking early or or midway through the career? Uh, what? Early. Early. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. I've right. Never... Right. Right. About uh, uh, this was before actually uh, getting Poliano. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he really considered about scrapping the whole thing. He he literally said at one point, I have been trying for years, uh, trying to make a uh, uh, to to make a different band to present the songs I have written and worked for, uh, and I'm just too tired about it. Mm. He actually he actually thought about. Giving up. Sure, sure. Okay, that 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 was that was interesting because uh, because what we were we were talking about earlier, we always tend to think that Steve Harris always says like, "Yeah, I'm going forward, going forward, going forward, yeah. never giving up." And and I and you tend to think about then that because uh, when you know about him, sure. the stories we were talking about, right? So actually. Knowing that he did consider giving up was like not a complete shock, but but it was something I didn't think it had happened. Right. And the, the second small story is about the the keyboard player. Okay. I do mention it in the book. Uh, you know that the whole story about they getting uh, uh, Tony Moore and playing certain songs, uh, uh-huh. no, this yeah, one gig, yeah, yeah. and then scrapping the whole idea. Sure. No, 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 no. That, I mean, they got, well, they didn't get rid of Tony Moore. He kind of quit the band. And this this is right at the end of, of 78, when, when Steve is actually thinking, okay, first he goes into this phase where he says, maybe I should give up the idea of, of, of having a band. Mm-hmm. And then when he, 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 he shakes that idea off and says, okay, I'm moving forward with the band. What am I going to do? Yeah. And he did advertise for a camera player. Right. And some people did advertise, uh, uh, some people auditioned, but the, uh, the idea was scrapped, scrapped pretty 
pretty soon. Yeah. But that was that was kind of cool of knowing, like you know, like he 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 wasn't entirely clear about the direction sure. he wanted the band to play. Yeah. And well, in those months, and then Paul arrives, and the, the whole story we do know. It well, it's interesting, you know, because when you say that, you know, he came close to probably wanting to quit, and it probably happened more than once. But when you think about the history of the band and, you know, like, oh, the band was going really good. And then all of a sudden both of the guitar players and the drummer quit, you know, it's like, and now it's just Steve and, and Dennis Wilcock or whatever. And then next thing, you know, he does this, then this, and then he fires Dave or, you know, Dave gets fired. And then next thing, you know, the drummer quits again. And then eventually uh, Dennis Wilcock quit. There's just, there's multiple times where he's almost left, you know, once he's just, it's him, nobody else. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm the Iron Maiden. Like, you know, when we think of, when you think of Steve, when you think of Iron Maiden, you think sure. Steve Harris, that's, I mean, yeah. obviously to me, I think Steve and Bruce, because those are the two most focal people. But when, you know, Iron Maiden is Steve's, I mean, Steve is the ultimate, the buck stops here guy is, you know, every, it's going to have to get past Steve. You know, mm-hmm. Bruce can't just make a decision without Steve's approval kind of thing. And you always think of him being the guy that's like, yeah, like you said, you, we know the story now. So the thing is, is Steve never was going to quit, man. He was always going to be successful they, and he always knew it, you know, and it's interesting to hear, uh-huh. you know, that's wild to hear that. I mean, even though it makes sense because he's only human, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. but it's weird to hear it because you're just not used to hearing that. So um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. That's what, that's why the story really like jumped into my mind because because you 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 don't tend to think about that. Right, right. So man, we we've covered a lot. We've talked a, a lot through the book and kind of how you decided to do it and everything. I've got two more questions for you. Cool. One of them you've definitely alluded to and pretty much already answered, but I'm gonna still ask you anyway because I feel like you'll give a little more of an explanation. Um, okay. But your book obviously went up to 1983. You said you couldn't keep going past that because it's just probably information overload and you were trying to focus. But Mm -hmm. there's obviously, you mentioned there's plans for a follow-up. You already mentioned the next book. So going into the next book, where Uh, are you going to start in 83, 84? It's already, you made it to 83. So maybe, I haven't got to the end. So I don't know if you made it to December of 83 and then you're going to start so okay, so you're going to start '84, January '84. How far do you you envision yourself going at that point? '84 to '92, or or how far? I I I plan to do '84 uh, to '93. '93, okay. So basically, up and, until and, Bruce and you leaving. Have to, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because this this is this was one of the editorial decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean. When I thought when when I saw that I had I, it was impossible to do just one book covering the whole era of seventy three to nineteen eighteen uh, <laughs> to twenty twenty not, not yeah well that will be impossible also yeah. but to uh, eighty nine uh-huh. you I had to think okay where does it make sense to cut the story short mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, of course, everybody knows that uh, when, when, when 84 was starting, we have the first, well, the second album 
of the classic uh, lineup. Right. Okay. And 84 is right, is the year when Iron Maiden become the one of the biggest world Maiden acts, male acts in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I cut the story right at 83, because I mean, 84 is, 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 is a whole new era from the band. Actually, the first lines in, in, the, in, the, in the chapter that starts the book is, uh, are uh, by 1980, no, in January 84, the World Peace Tour had just ended. The classic lineup is finally assembled. Mm -hmm. The band is more stable. The, the the members of the band are more mature, but there are also tensions growing within the band. That's okay. the first the first lines in '84. So, uh, why do I plan to? I hope to reach '93 is because it, it's it, it's definitely uh, uh, the period when things are going to change again. Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm looking forward to that. That's yeah. I I, I hope I hope that the amount of I mean it's hard because of course I want to share everything I have already written. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I cannot I cannot put out a a, a, a a book with like you know 500 pages. It's just it's just too much. It's just too <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. It's just it's just too much. But I think I think I'm gonna be able, and I don't want to cut story short right you know I, I don't want to like to skip things yeah. that will allow the readers to to connect the events because as i said the events you're gonna read uh since adrian uh got into that into the band to the events you're gonna read right when he leaves the band they are all connected you sure. can read it you, you you can read them and and like completely understand what's going on yeah. So yeah. so that that's what I want to do in my uh, in my next book, you yeah. know, and and, the, and the volume two. So so my so, so, so my side question I had I had said I only had two more. This is my side question to this one. So you've already uh -huh. started on the next one, is what you're saying? Yeah, I I actually started reviewing it because remember yeah. that I already have written the chapters from eighty four to. 89. Ooh. So, okay. So what you're saying is, well, let me, <laughs> let me ask another question. Okay. Do you have any kind of idea what the time frame would be? You know, when a band puts out an album and they're like, they've already had it recorded for a year and it's, it finally comes out. So when's your next album coming out? <laughs> so, so do you have any kind of time frame for like the, possibly the next book coming out? Uh, I'm going to try to put it out uh, like in June, probably July, I hope. Whoa, that's quick, yeah. man. Okay, awesome. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, of course, of course, because, I mean, it's different that, than when the first one. The first one, I have to actually write it down like from right in the beginning and get the information. Yeah. No, this, this, this book... This book, you, you, I, I already have like more than a half 
of the book written. Awesome. So what I have to do now is, and I just tweeted this uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. what I have to do is think who I'm going to interview for the, the 1990 period. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be probably 1990, 91. I don't know if there's any any people who ha- will have a cool story in 91. I don't know. I have to think who I'm going to interview for 92 mm-hmm. and who I'm going to interview for 93. So sure. those are at least four different interviews, which there aren't always easy to get yeah. and, and to actually uh, getting people enough to trust you, to, to open up and tell you the stories, you know, that uh, there isn't always that easy. Yeah. And of course, I have to find out like people who ha- could present a different perspective of the story. Sure. Uh, I don't want to spill the beans on who I've already interviewed for 84. Yeah, sure. Because because it's it's someone that you can't imagine I have interviewed. Somebody joke that if I had interviewed uh, the the Eddie's mom. And I said, no, but I did interview the dad. Uh, and yeah. I, just yesterday, I reached out to two different persons who might be able to tell some different stories yeah. that not only are going to be future, featured in the 1984 uh, chapter, but can give an interview for the 1990 also. Ooh. I would think one person that would be interesting, and this isn't anything far-fetched that you probably haven't thought of, but because mm-hmm. Wolfsbane opened for Maiden, you know, uh-huh. uh, I, don't, I think it maybe it was on No Prayer. I can't remember if it was on yeah. No Prayer. I think, yeah, no you problem. know, I think it would be interesting to hear Blaze because Blaze actually got up and sang with them too. Uh-huh. So yeah. I'm, sure, I'm yeah. sure he'll be in that story anyway. But, um, yeah. you know, and uh, something else would be interesting is because I believe wasn't it, and I want to say James told me this at one point that uh, it was in New Zealand or after their show in New Zealand that Bruce told the band he was leaving. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's a story I know. Uh, I had to confirm it, you know, yeah. but I'm not 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 entirely sure if that did happen or not. Well, he said I remember James telling me that he spoke to somebody once that played in one of the opening bands. Uh-huh. And that they heard a lot of commotion going on backstage after the show, like lots of yelling and sound like throwing things going on and stuff from Maiden's okay. dressing room. So um, okay. he might okay. he might be able to uh, know who some people were or maybe some of the opening bands because he, he I'm sure James would have been there. I think so. Uh huh. Uh huh. So um, well, well, that that that's 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 a very very good suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. So last last thing I'll have for you, and 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 you've already told a lot of different stories, but would you like to close us out with one final story that did not make the book? Uh, that did not make the book. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that did. Oh, okay. It, it's it's kind of future in the book, but it's okay. not entirely in it. Yeah. Uh, when the band when the band went to Jersey to. Start working on on the uh, on the Peace of Mind album. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you said funny. Uh, 
they all they were of course uh very private they didn't want any press um they went out every single night mm -hmm. uh they played a, they had the whole hotel for themselves they played a lot of of parties there but funny story was uh, for a long long time Somebody that worked in Jersey told me that Clive Burr was there. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. So I was like, really? Clive Burr was there? I mean, actually, he was there after he was, uh, uh, you know, given the boot. He yeah. was. So I was like, is it really, really, really? So I did did a lot of investigation. And people kept telling me, yes, he was there, he was there, he was there, he was there. He he even listened to the recordings. And unfortunately, the the real story was that he was confused with this guy who's called Warren. Uh, I don't know how to uh what his last name is uh P-O-P-P-E. -P -P -E. I don't know if it's Pope or Pope uh, yeah. or something. Okay. Well, he was confused with that guy. So, <laughs> so and I have a I have the, the picture of the guy because and I do comment and, and give the details of the of the newspaper. Yeah. I couldn't use the image because of copyright issues, mm -hmm. although I, I do have the paper. Yeah. When you see when you see the picture, you can understand why people thought it was Clyde Bird. This guy looked a lot like him. Okay, okay, that's funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, oh man, it was one of those stories when you want to believe it. Yeah. When you you want to like reveal like, oh yes, this guy Clive was actually in the in the island with the guys, right. and then and then it was like, oh no, man. I was. <laughs> Uh, well, that, yeah. that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, well, that's really neat. Um, okay, so I'm going to have a, a link for your book in the show notes, obviously. So if anyone didn't know anything about this book and they hear all this, they hear these little stories, they go, wow, I want to hear more of this, go to the show notes. There'll be a link there. Um, so, Luis, I got to say, man, obviously, we've, you know, we've known each other now. You know, we're it's going on three years now. So yes. really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm still thankful for James because James is the one who introduced us. Um, yeah. And I've actually, I actually just texted with James yesterday. He's doing well. Uh, oh, great yeah. I got something really cool in the pipeline with James right now. I can't, I can't say anything right now, but, uh, but yeah, something, yeah. something really cool that we will all like. Um, but man, Ever since I've met you, I've always, and I know, I know we've always had this, as soon as we talked, man, we hit it off. We laugh a lot. We had a blast <laughs> and this, this certain time, other than, you know, trying to figure out what the hell was going on with the internet. <laughs> is yeah. this, this has just been a continuation of it, man. I've really, really enjoyed having you here and, and just, I love talking to you and I'm going to figure out a way to get you back on for something else real soon. So thank you. Yes, thank, thank you please. for your time and tell your wife. Oh. Thank you. Oh man, it's been a pleasure. Let's keep in touch. Let's do this again soon. Yes. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. <laughs> I'd gladly do it. And I will love and I'm gonna say it. And I wanna say it. If Sarah is somehow featured with us, 
in one of your episodes, I will love because I'm her number one fan. <laughs> I will tell her. I will tell her that you made the request, and uh, we'll figure out we'll figure out a way to make it happen, man. So thank you. Yeah, it was so awesome. <laughs> Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing Ain't always look on the bright side of life Come on! Always look on the bright side of life Life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your seat, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, and yeah. So always look on the bright.